The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Wednesday, July 6th. I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person you might describe as extremely online. And that's a description that's been true for years. I'm part of a generation that grew up with the internet, with social networks that long predated Facebook or Twitter, and with online identities that sometimes felt more authentic than my offline self. Experimenting with who you are online, especially if those identities are really different from how you present to the analog world, that's not a totally new concept. Neil Stevenson famously coined the phrase metaverse all the way back in 1992. So it's no surprise that folks are using newish technologies like crypto and the blockchain to play with their self-expression. But some folks are using blockchain-enabled structures to monetize these experiments with identity, including their gender presentation. For more on crypto and identity, I'm joined by Bloomberg reporter Emily Nicole and by Florence Smith-Nichols, a PhD student who researches games, ethics, and artificial intelligence. Emily, as always, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. We are going to talk about crypto and money and gender identity and gender fluidity and people pretending to be other folks for the sake of monetizing that identity. But before we get into some of that, let's start with the crypto mechanics here. What are the vehicles and what are the, you know, what's the why of why people are are doing this online? So I think as it always is in crypto, there are always people seeking to find new ways to break boundaries, to establish new forms of hierarchies in crypto, and ultimately make money. And in this scenario or this universe, um, we are looking specifically at DAOs, which are decentralized autonomous organizations. You could think of them a little bit like companies, but they operate almost exclusively on a code-first basis. So everything they do is voted on by the community using blockchain contracts to execute those functions once they pass or get rejected. And they usually have a group of people at the top rather than a single person. And is that that group is it's like a governance committee, it's a board, it's a what what how does that work really? 
So the people at the top might be the the founders of Mm -hmm. of the project that we're talking about. They might be people who have uh, run their way up through the group by contributing a lot to the the community and therefore have been decided that they have warranted themselves a leadership position. But you won't have somebody who's the CEO or, you know, the CFO or whatever. You might have somebody who's in charge of treasury, for example, to to use the crypto terminology. But you're not going to have somebody who, you know, like does the analyst call at 9 a.m. after the earnings. So this is, it's a club. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And there are members and then there are people who, you know, listening to their members most of the time decide what the club's priorities are, what they're going to spend, as you say, their treasury on. So the the money or the crypto that they have in, in the bank, as it were. But what do DAOs have to do with gender identity? So in this world, as people seek to kind of break the boundaries of what crypto can mean or what it can be represented for, they're also trying to find ways that crypto could be something more appealing to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And if we think about, you know, the ways in which we engage with social media and the role of influencers in that, um, we've been seeing the rise of something called simp DAOs over the last few months and maybe even a year. Can I just just stop you there? Did you say simp DAO? (laughs) Yes. So to to simp means basically to be a fan of somebody. Mm. But in typical internet language, it's always pretty loaded. And so simping generally happens from a male fan to a female influencer who is considered to be quite beautiful. And so in this world of simp DAOs, some female influencers are using the mechanics of crypto and these miniature organizations to basically allow a bit more of a developed relationship between them and their fan base. The fans can contribute to the DAO, contribute to the influencer's reputation, deciding on what projects she should take on or not. But then in return, they might gain something in the form of a reward like a crypto token or an NFT, which they can then use to kind of give back to the community again. It becomes like a little circle of uh, financial value, I guess you could call it. So is this like only fans on the blockchain? I mean, you could consider it that slightly. There are some DAOs that have been set up that are slightly uh, sexual in nature, if that's what we think of as OnlyFans' main business model. So, And there are even DAOs that have been set up uh, to honour female influencers without that person's permission or knowledge. Uh, one of the most prominent ones that was reported on by Vice not long ago is one in tribute to Belle Delphine, um, who is known as like a gamer girl. <laughs> and she very famously um, tried to sell off her bathwater ah, to yes. adoring fans. Of course. Uh, and as far as we know, she was not involved in that because at the time anyway, she had been offline from the internet for about a year. But there are also, you know, uh, versions of these DAOs that don't involve anything of a sexual nature. So one of the prominent ones that I spoke to for um, this story was a DAO belonging to an influencer called Irene Zhao. Mm-hmm. And in her DAO, she mainly just uses it as a way to interact with her fans on a more unique and direct level than she'd been able to previously in Instagram, where she found that DMs are pretty inefficient. In your reporting, in the story that you wrote about this, one of the main characters, although I suppose they were playing two characters at once, is someone named Eric Wall, who has a, a simp DAO, as we've discussed, under the name of Erica Wall. Can you say more about this? Yeah, so uh, Eric Wall is the chief investment officer at a crypto asset fund, but he's also a pretty big personality on crypto Twitter, as we call it. Uh, he's got more than 80,000 followers and he's known for being kind of a bit of an expert on all things crypto and therefore tends to get into little online disputes with people over the mechanics of crypto and, and blockchain mechanics. But 
One thing that he found over the last few years is that occasionally when somebody wanted to make fun of him, they would Photoshop him in a picture of a woman. So they'd give him, you know, long hair and mascara and breasts and all the rest. And eventually he said he, that one of those pictures was good enough that he decided to take that picture for himself and reclaim it. And he had been advising Dao's like Irene's for quite a while. And so he started Erica Dao as, as he said, a way to kind of model out how easy it could be to set up one of these simp Dao's for Instagram influencers. And in his mind, I think A, use it as a way to kind of encourage more influencers to take up this this mechanics and make blockchain more mainstream, but B, raise his own influence um, <laughs> and find more ways to engage with the people who interact with him online. Now, th- there's something that you said about the fans that I that I want to po- point out, because I feel like there's a central tension here, which is the people who were following him online were trying to make fun of him by por- portraying him as a woman, which, let's be clear, is a super sexist thing to do, right? Like the, the idea that the worst thing you could do to a man is make him look like a woman. Hmm. And... So, okay, fine. Like, you know, crypto represents all of the dysfunction of society because it is a part of society. As always. As always. But he then is like, I'm just going to, I'm going to lean into this. Haha. I'm going to reclaim this. I'm going to monetize this. Has he gotten any kind of support or criticism in either direction from this almost like cosplay? Yeah. So I think you'd expect there to be some negative backlash, right? You'd expect there to be some backlash to the fact that a man is portraying himself as a woman online and creating some sort of monetary flow around that, whether or not he decides to use it for personal gain, personal profit or not. Um, But actually, he said, though there was on some level a, a bit of confusion from some people as to why he would set up a DAO in the name of Erica, most people thought it was funny. Most people were in on the joke. And most people thought, you know, if I want to contribute to this, I can, but... He started then using the persona as a way to bring attention to causes like the plight of Ukraine and how you could donate to that with crypto. And also, again, bringing more attention to some of the work that he'd been doing with other uh, simp DAOs like Irene's. So in, in essence, while there was some expectation of a negative reaction, it wasn't necessarily what he told me is what he got back. But there are folks, and you you did include these examples in your story, who are not necessarily as transparent about what they're doing, not necessarily in crypto, but in other sort of formats like live streaming or streaming games, who are also engaging in this kind of gender performance. Yeah. So there is a trend that is very, very popular and still ongoing in places like YouTube and Twitch, where cis men will dress up as women. And while the people who are watching their streams or their videos are in on the joke, They'll often go on platforms like Omegle, which is a site that randomly assigns you another person over video chat to talk to and pretend to be a woman. Everybody who's watching knows what's going on, uh, like, you know, in the background when they're watching these videos, but the person they're talking to is being duped. And and therein lies, I guess, the humor or the attraction. And the world of SimpDAOs is in some ways that, you know, there are always going to be people who are coming to something like Erica Dow, what, the, the Dow that Erica set up, and not know who he is and not know who that person is behind the photoshopped image in front of it. He even went to like a recent Bitcoin conference with Erica Dow as his name hmm. um, and has used things like voice modulators on podcasts to appear as Erica previously. But in, in essence, I guess the, the, the message that he was pushing is that that isn't his intention. Well, you know, we all know that intentions always lead to fantastic outcomes. So thank you very much, Emily. That was a very interesting story. And I appreciate you taking the time to share it with our audience today. Thanks for having me. 
You can find more of Emily's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com and follow her on Twitter. She's at Emily J. Nicole. That's N-I-C-O-L-L-E. We'll be right back with more from Florence Smith-Nichols about the ethical implications of gender fluidity in a Tao universe. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. In the metaverse, you can be anyone or anything you want to be. Now that we have more an idea about how the DAOs work, I'm going to turn to Florence Smith-Nichols to give us a little bit more insight on the moral and ethical implications of gender fluidity and the blockchain. Florence, such a pleasure to have you in the studio today, virtually or otherwise. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. You are a specialist in some very, very interesting areas of research. And, you know, our audience just heard from Emily, who interviewed you for a story about gender presentation and crypto and the blockchain. And I'd love for you to say a little bit more about what you've encountered in the realm of online gender performance. I know now we're talking about kind of crypto, the metaverse, the blockchain, but people experimenting with gender expression online and in kind of a virtual context has been happening really sort of, I think, as long as those places have existed. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly my kind of expertise is particularly in video games. And my favorite. That's, yeah, that's something that um, I think you hear, um, for example, in the trans community, sort of like countless stories of people saying that, you know, the first time I really started to experiment with kind of a different gender expression was through, like, say, choosing a different avatar in a video game or something like that, because it represents sort of like a safe space to do so. When you were talking to Emily, one of the things that I found interesting that 
she reported in the context of the conversation was about how the pandemic was a moment mm. for people to mm. be able to do more of this kind of exploration in a crypto context or otherwise. Can you say some more about that? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that it seems to have been this kind of, you see this trend of people discovering kind of new aspects about themselves that maybe they just didn't feel that they had the time to do so before. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, especially because a lot of our interactions just had to be online by necessity and because online interactions allow you to potentially kind of play around with your identity, whether that it can be a, something right as simple as even, oh, you change your Twitter profile picture, right? And a lot of this conversation around crypto and things like meme stocks really, really hit the mainstream during the pandemic, right? So at least the timelines yeah. were overlapping. Yes. Um, yeah. And as part of that, as you as you discussed with Emily previously, was this kind of distinction between, I suppose, a sincere exploration in the way that you're describing of people, you know, finding out who they really were and mm. a more cynical, potentially performance for yeah. some other motivation or game or gain. Where in the what we call the simp DAO context do you see that spectrum? I feel like, yeah, this kind of trying to draw a line between people, yeah, kind of genuinely exploring their identity versus perhaps, yeah, what you would see as a more cynical kind of way of trying to exploit a kind of performative identity is really tricky because, mm -hmm. especially from an outside perspective, if you don't know the people involved, mm -hmm. but it's the more kind of cynical examples that hurt all kinds of people, especially trans people. You know, a, a big part of transphobia is people being accused of being fake, right? Of right. Not just pretending. So you can see how, yeah, it's a really difficult topic. But I think with the SimpDAOs specifically, I mean, even just in the name, I guess the name is kind of revealing, right? It kind of, it kind of, it tells you what kind of level that's at, and it's something that's for. I, I guess it's kind of generalization, but I guess for the male gaze in a very particular way. And it's not about sort of an individual exploring their identity. It's a group kind of around this kind of avatar in order to potentially leverage getting more money out of people, I guess, essentially. In the context of, you know, video games, the metaverse and, and communities, are you seeing any spaces where the, it's more how should I say, supportive or constructive of gender exploration compared to maybe what we're seeing in crypto? I think VR chat, yeah, would probably be from what I've seen where there seems to be um, kind of just a general sense of people being very welcoming about people um, kind of exploring their gender. Um, although at the same time, I will say from what I've seen, like, for example, you get a lot of people who... Um, have the kind of stereotypical like anime girl kind of avatar, mm. which uh, you know you get um, very very large so eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's kind of interesting because apparently the reason why that is is when um, VR chat was just kind of getting started up. Uh, a load of people sort of import a load of character models from a, a particular anime game and they were much higher quality than any of the others so that's why people use them so it's just kind of ended up <laughs> kind of um being a trend because of that but that's that's interesting because then you get a lot of people who say well actually i just feel really comfortable wearing this avatar or through having 
you know, kind of tried this out for a while, I realized things about my gender that I didn't know before. Um, so it seems like, yeah, from what I can see, um, there's definitely a lot of space for exploration there. But again, like, I suppose it's like any online space, right, where you maybe have to be careful where you are, because I think if you're in kind of like a public sort of lobby space, you can meet anyone, right, who could just mm -hmm. be obnoxious or potentially very rude. <laughs> Well, if, if it's if it stops at rudeness, that would be a, a better a better degree than some of the online harassment that we see in other places. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Florence. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. You can find Florence on Twitter. They're at Florence S N. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, So Rare is one of several companies attempting to take the idea of collectibles like baseball cards and bring them into a more digital context. In May, Sorare announced a partnership with Major League Baseball here in the US. And they announced Serena Williams was going to be a member of their advisory board. Why is this company betting so big on sports? Do collectibles even need to be on a blockchain? And will baseball players benefit from that Major League deal? To explore these questions and more, I'll talk to Bloomberg reporter Hannah Miller and to Sorare's own CEO, Nicola Julia. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, and this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email your questions, comments, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. And you'll find us on Twitter at Crypto. The supervising producer of this episode is Vicky Vergalina. Our producer is Mohammed Farouk. Associate producer is Zanab Siddiqui. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Bloomberg's head of podcasts is Francesca Levy. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.